0: All right, chapter two, and the beginning part of this chapter is this next point, faith or law. Which one is it? How are we saved? So am I saved through faith, or am I saved through obedience? And what's the difference? Where do they come from? So then he says after 14 years, ooh, that's the time in back home in Silesia. But it probably counts the three years in Arabia. Okay, so contracting everything so three years in the desert and then what is that what's the math 11 12 years or whatever back back home Um, then I went back up to Jerusalem this time with Barnabas and I took Titus along also so now we've got new names Paul and Barnabas are going to work very well together Barnabas unlike Paul was a Levite what's a Levite Exactly somebody from the tribe of Levi and therefore eligible to be called up to become a priest. We talked last time about Mark, Levi's Barnabas's cousin. Mark, we think did get called up to become a priest and so he purposely maimed himself um, cutting off the tips of his fingers, which is where he got his nickname um, so that he wouldn't because uh, now being mutilated, he can't he's not qualified to serve in the temple any longer so he gets out of it i might have done it a different way you know maybe a toenail would have been enough you know or something or the pinky toe but not my you know my thing you know that's my guitar playing hand you you know anyway um <clears throat> or it would be if i were pastor bouvet which i'm not so uh but barnabas and now titus titus what what do you know about titus it might not be very much but maybe you know the crucial thing about titus Titus was Paul's troubleshooter. When Paul had a real problem church, who does he send? Titus. Titus. Yeah. So if, if, there was, if there was a real difficult, naughty problem somewhere, you know, it's kind of like um, if, uh, if here in New Ulm, Pastor Beauvais, some of you know that Pastor Beauvais was just meeting with me. I had my circuit pastor meeting because he's my circuit pastor. He is my pastor. That's, that's how you do things in the ministry. You get to have a confidant um, and so forth, and he asks you how things are going and what can I pray about in your life and so forth. And uh, uh, so, um, if, if, uh, if, if there's a problem in a congregation, what if, for example, Pastor Scharf and I started not getting along? Who's, who comes in to solve that? It's the circuit pastor. You know, or what if the, uh, the, the faculty and the, and the church staff at St. Paul's was suddenly not getting along? The circuit pastor comes in to mediate. That's part of his role. But mostly, he's really there to help us during call meetings. When I was circuit pastor, that's all I did. I didn't have to do any of those other kinds of meetings. I talked to the pastors, and I did call meetings. So, um, uh, that, uh, but, but if there's a problem, he has to go. And that's what Titus did for Paul. If there's a problem, i got to send Titus. So Titus has to go to one of the most um, dangerous places, really, in the world, which is Crete, Uh, a nasty, you know, I mean, have you ever seen the first Godfather movie? Do you remember when Michael goes back to Sicily to get married and they blow up his, spoiler alert, they blow up his girlfriend and his wife, actually, and all that. And uh, then they try to kill him several times because that's the part of the world. You know, Sicily, Cyprus, Crete, Corsica, Sardinia. Where's Napoleon Bonaparte from? Corsica. You know, the, these Mediterranean islands are not places to vacation. You know, they're places to go get killed. You know, sorry about the, you know, go to go to, go to Poinette, Wisconsin. You'll love it there. Um, <laughs> So Paul takes Barnabas, Paul takes Titus. The thing about Barnabas is, Barnabas was a Jew, therefore circumcised. Titus, a Gentile. What do we do about Titus? That's going to be an issue. Okay? What do we do about him? He's going to be doing ministry with people. He's going to be taking baths with. That's the thing. They had a completely different society. Nobody had a bathtub at home. If you're gonna get clean, you're gonna get naked in front of all of your neighbors. Wow, you know, you know. In my ministry, I've done exactly one immersion baptism. Okay? I, all the other baptisms have been, whether it's adult or baby, have all been typical baptisms, you know, a little bit of water on the head or with one baby on the foot and so. One immersion and the, the one girl who wanted to be immersed had a very, very good reason. She was from Africa. Her entire family had been immersed in africa she said i i understand pastor smith our wells our wells doctrine love the way she put that and but she said my whole family was immersed could i be immersed too and i thought in march in Newalm, you want to be immersed and i'm thinking there isn't a body of water that's even thawed much let alone you know uh, uh, warm and uh, and then i we started thinking and i thought well i know that mr hinnenthal has a pool but it was broken I know that another guy has an infinity pool, whatever. Is that the kind where you're like swimming and there's a current? But that was broken, and nobody I knew. And finally I, th- finally I thought, oh, what about the Vogel? And it turns out, oh, yeah, we have Baptists in New Ulm. The Vogel actually has a worksheet for baptisms because all the Baptists have to go to the Vogel to be baptized. There's a whole pay scale for the Vogel Arena on if you're going to do a baptism. And the the but the but the but the, the girl who I called happened to be a St. John's member, and she said, "Oh, Pastor Smith, I'll help you out." She said, "So do it right after a right after a free swim, and then you don't have to pay a new lifeguard because the girl was under 16. You have to pay a lifeguard to come in, we'll just stay a little bit longer. It won't be a big deal." And so she helped me out with the cost and everything. But I, I but her punishment for making me do an immersion baptism. Was having to see me in a swimming suit, so I'm just saying we don't have the same thing. But it's kind of like what Paul was doing with Titus here. So, pretty terrifying thing. And I had to memorize all five of her names and get them right and everything. Remember, remember Princess Di? Do you know about her wedding? Besides the elaborateness and all that, do you remember the names? I remember. I remember watching it, and, and I was in my 20s or however old when when she got married, but. Uh, Prince Charles has like seven names, you know, Charles, Arthur, Edgar, whatever it is. She got his names wrong in the wrong order. I mean, the poor girl, you know, how is she supposed to get this right? They didn't, they didn't give her a flash card, you know, like I would I would have written them on my thumb or something. But uh, like the first time I gave communion and my bishop told me, right, take and eat, this is my body on your thumb. You know, I thought, thank you. you know, I got to, I'm reading this off the, you know, but... And then the question was, are they really married? She got the name wrong. What's the answer? Yes, of course they're married, because it was the intention. There was no intent to, to mess this up on purpose. The intent was correct. It's like if you baptize a baby and then a month later, mom decides to change the name, you know, you know, to like uh whippersnip or something, and you're like, What do I, I just baptized her as Jenny? You know, what am I gonna do? Well, the baptism takes. You know, it's the same baptism. So, but it happens occasionally. Um, so, how did I get off on that? Anyway. Um, oh, the yeah, baptism. baptism. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got all of Nala's names right. That, that, so, okay. I got. All right. Okay. Back to this chronology. So, after the brief trip up to Jerusalem, Paul is in Syria or out of Jerusalem, a total of 14 years. And then, uh, uh, during that, the stay in Syria includes a trip in, evidently, uh, up in Silesia. So the trip I'm including in that is the first missionary journey. Does that jibe with your calendar, John? Or, don't you, or aren't you going to test me on this one? Because I'm willing. I'm here. Let's check it out. I got knife, fork, and spoon in hand, as it were. 46 to 48. Oh. However... It must be included in the 14-year, at the end of the 14-year thing, in which he stayed away from Jerusalem. Does that make sense? I'm just kind of, is that okay with everybody? That, that 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 first mission journey is kind of while he's gone from from Jerusalem, so then he comes back after that. But it's that first missionary journey when Paul gets beaten up and just about left for dead outside of Lystra and Derby. I mean, they stone him, and they think he's dead. He's Lifeless, bloody, out in the street or out in the outside of town, out in the out in the road, and okay, he's dead. They go home. Sun goes down, and Paul's companions come out and find him, and well, he's still breathing. And what does he do? Goes back into town and starts preaching again. Strange pulpits. Um, you know, hi doc, do you mind bandaging up my face? You know, and all this. They, they, they There's an ancient Christian legend. I don't want to do too many of these because they're not part of the Bible, but that Paul, that that, for, that when he got stoned, that they, 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 they crushed his skull in so severely that for the rest of his life, he could see his own nose. Like, you know, how, how bent do you have to be? I'm not talking about looking left and seeing the outline of your nose. He could see his nose. You know, that's, that's, Pretty mangled. Uh, that, that that this and and all of our portraits of Paul are of this, you know, beautiful, you know, elderly man with a dignified beard. and I think he just had a bashed-in face, and you know. Um, so I don't know about that. Well, then the First Jerusalem Council around the year fifty, and then two books of the New Testament written at about that same time. The first one by the chairman of that First Jerusalem Council who is James, and he writes to Christians about who are Jewish about their behavior. And Paul writes Galatians to the Galatian Christians about their faith. So that's where we think these first two letters are written. It could be that First and Second Thessalonians are in this time also, but I don't think that they had been written yet. I think Galatians is before them and James probably the first. Paul's second journey then from 50 to about 52 and this marches onward until sometime between the years 66 and 68, which is about the time that Paul was killed in Rome. The Probably the same execution cycle, if not the same day, then the same week or whatever, or festival, as when Peter and Peter's wife were also killed. There's a little story about Peter encouraging his wife on their way out. She's very frightened, and Peter encourages her and tells us to have, to have courage in Jesus. Soon we'll be with the Lord. And then they're going to crucify Peter, and Peter says, I don't want to be crucified like my Lord. And so they just flip the cross upside down, shove it in the hole upside down, and he dies with his wife upside right and Peter upside down. But Paul, because Paul was a, was, um, a Roman citizen, could not legally be crucified. So Paul would have been beheaded. That's what they did. So, all right. All righty. Verse 2. I went in response to a revelation, and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders, the Christian leaders, whatever apostles were around, I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure that I was not running or running ahead and not had been running my race in vain. Let me reread that sentence. I wanted to be sure that I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. Does that make sense? So I don't want to be running my race in vain. Paul likes sports. So uh, uh, without bringing up the Cincinnati Bengals, I will say that Paul in his letters mentions what three sports especially, running, boxing he'll talk about punching the air and things like that um and one more and i'm a, i'm a, oh and the, the the relay race which besides just running in general is also the relay race but then boxing paul is really into so certain sports probably olympic sports at the time they were having olympiads at this time the ancient olympiads um so they they talked about it they also bet on teams there are famous stories into the, oh, 400s A.D., where um, people betting on teams that were competing in the Olympics, um, it got so bad sometimes that cities were burned. There were riots sometimes. There was a famous riot between the Blues and the Greens. In, um I think that was in Constantinople. I might have the city wrong, but they, they the, the emperor thought he was going to be killed because he had the wrong pennant out. Like, ooh, like going to Manchester and you know rooting for the wrong soccer team in England or something like that. you just don't do it. Um, there are enough called workers in the Wisconsin Synod who grew up in Wisconsin that Green Bay and Milwaukee Brewer fans are almost tolerated around the country in Wells churches, <laughs> um, even though this is Vikings country and so forth and yeah, okay. Yet not even Titus, and here's the question about Titus. Titus who was with me was, com- yet not even Titus who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised even though he was a Greek. So Titus didn't have to be circumcised. Sur- I said they take the baths together. They could tell if he's, I mean, they, they, they see him in his nakedness, but they did not force Titus to be circumcised. Timothy, the other pastor companion of Paul, was circumcised, but his mother was a Jew. Titus was just a Greek, and because of, the, of Paul's position on the law, Titus should not have to be circumcised. Um, this matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. What do you have to do to be saved? Well, these gospel-twisting Judaizers were saying, You've got to become a believer the way I became. In other words, you've got to come in through the front door of Judaism. That means circumcision. And then you can, after that, then you can become a Christian. And Paul is saying, no. The, 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 the door to Christianity is not circumcision. What's the door to Christianity? Baptism. That's all. you got to have a wet forehead and nothing else. And that's not even necessarily your decision, because in Colossians, Paul will also write that <coughs> the uh, correspondence between baptism and the Old Testament is that baptism is the entry point to Christi- to the church now, as circumcision used to be. And then you have this question that a lot of the Reformed have still today, when should one be baptized? Well, one when should one be circumcised? on the eighth day. Well, there might be an argument. Well, the New Testament doesn't show us any infant baptisms. Well, how many infant circumcisions can you show me from the Old Testament? Most of the circumcisions are adults because circumcision was a new thing. So Abraham is, what is he, 80 or 85 when he circumcised along with his son Ishmael who is 13 and so forth. When Moses... Uh, circumcises his son Gershom. He's he he had let it go for a while. He Gershom wasn't circumcised on the eighth day, so as water Zipporah, his wife Zipporah gets angry with him, because she says you're a, I, she. She says, "Oh, give me the knife, I'll do it." And she circumcises Gershom. But Titus, not compelled to be circumcised, uh, even though he was a Greek. This there there will also be a line later in the text about uncircumcision. Could a man who had been circumcised undo it? And the answer is yes. There was an operation that's called in Greek a pullover in which you have another set of cuttings and then things are made to grow back again. And uh, so very frightening. But to make, to make, to, so a Jew could make himself look uncircumcised if he wanted to. But um, uh, scary stuff, scary difficult stuff. So the matter arose. Okay, they've infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And as for those who were held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. So Paul says, I know I was with the apostles. They didn't change my message. I told them my whole message. message didn't change. My decision about Titus could stand. You know, case in point, it's a pretty good test case. I've made this theological judgment about Titus, and yet Peter and James and the others said, yeah, that's right. So, okay, Paul's exactly in line with us about Christ, about the resurrection, about the old law of Moses, and therefore, there are virtually no New Testament laws, except for what? You might call it the law of love, but are we still do we still observe the Ten Commandments? Well, yes and no. The Ten Commandments are not required for salvation, but they are still the will of God, therefore the moral law. Um, therefore, if I transgress the commandments, I've transgressed God's will and I repent of it. But my being saved is not contingent on my keeping the commandments perfectly. Thanks be to God, because I don't. I can't. Um, but and you know, from infancy, which commandment are we breaking constantly? The fourth. You know, because what do I do? But gripe against my parents. You know, that that's 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 what childhood basically is. Is a giant rebellion against one's parents, as long as your feet are under their table. And then the moment that you move out, you know, is the moment when you realize how wise and how protecting and loving your parents were. Wow, I sure miss them. It's been, you know, eight minutes, um, and uh, you know, and you know, call up mom. How, who's going to do my dishes? Who's going to do my laundry? You know, how do I do my taxes? And which I still don't know how to do, but. Uh, On the contrary, I'm not there yet, am I? That one? On the contrary? On the contrary. They recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. So now, even over this key doctrine, they realize, you know what? That's our two groups. With Peter, I'm basically the apostle to the circumcised, that is the Christians around Jerusalem, because Peter is their apostle, James is their pastor. Peter is their apostle, so Peter is doing most of the preaching and the outreach and so forth. James is doing the teaching and the and the and the baptizing and the burying and the marrying, and so forth. But Paul uh, says, "Yeah, I should go to work among the uncircumcised. Um, I should go back to where I was. So I'm ready to. I'm willing to leave." For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. So here's this other word. Um, you know, Gentile in um, in the Old Testament occurs, not, not the same word, it's pronounced goy. You ever heard that word? Some, sometimes it shows up where a Jew will talk about the goy, the outsiders. That's what Gentile means. And then in uh, in old western movies or bugs bunny episodes have you ever heard uh, somebody called a galoot you know your long-eared galoot something like that actually that's hebrew that's a word that a jew will call a fellow jew galoot means sojourner here i found a member of my race out in the world that's what a, that's what the word galoot really means it's what like out west a jew would call another Jew if they found each other in Tombstone, Arizona. They'd, they'd just call each other a galoot. And then the people of Tombstone would have no idea what that means. They would think it's an insult or something, and it wasn't. It was like brother. So galoot. But, so Gala to go or to roll, and then, and, uh, and then galoot. My buddy has rolled in, has walked in, that kind of a thing. I have no idea how Bugs Bunny got a hold of that, but here they are. James Cephas and John who's Cephas? Peter Cephas or Kepha means rock in uh, in uh, in Hebrew um, so Peter means rock in Greek so Petras um, so that's that's just his, his his other name so James Peter and John but not the Peter James and John of the like the Sermon on the Mount or the Transfiguration. Not that James. This is the brother of Jesus, James. Not John's brother, James. So, James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. So here again, the one group to the goy, one group to the galut. So Paul to the Gentile, Peter to the Jew and John as well. Peter and John were really a preaching team. Um, I don't exactly know uh, what happened with John and Peter. Did they divide or did Peter kind of go out in the world for a while and then John kind of stuck around but John eventually is exiled to a Greek island for a while and has the revelation out there. And that's that's really late though probably in the 90s. Um, so after the destruction of the temple and so forth. Um. All of the churches in Revelation, if, if you look at your right hand, this way, this is your map of Asia Minor. Galatia is the palm of your hand. You, you'll, you'll tickle the palm of your hand. That's Galatia. All the churches in Asia Minor are out here on your fingertips. Okay, so those are the Asia Minor churches of Revelation. Ephesus, Smyrna, Laodicea, um, what are the other ones, um, Philadelphia, Pergamum, um, and so forth. Is that? Am I up to six? Am I missing one? Probably. Um, anyway, that those are those are the those are the those are those churches. Paul is is in in Galatia is in the interior. Yeah, really. Galatia and Asia are two separate places. Asia is is the western half of Asia Minor, and Galatia is the most of the interior and eastern half of Asia Minor. Yeah, really, really good question. Yeah. Okay, second half of this chapter. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Oh, yikes. So Peter came way up north. Remember I said where, where, told you where Antioch is, way up in the, in the north there? I don't think this is a photograph of Peter, but, you know, it's... Guys, so before certain men from, came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. Um, but when he, they arrived he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. So so Peter let himself be talked into, oh, maybe you shouldn't. And he kind of felt, you know, there are some personalities that are like that. Some personalities can be very strong, and some personalities can kind of have a tendency to give in. Um, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be a pastor if you have Kind of the give in gene, because maybe I do sometimes. but although sometimes you just don't, you can't. But Peter in this in this case, kind of caved and probably shouldn't have but let himself be talked into it. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that even by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. So, oops. Um, you have a real problem here about who can we eat with. This is the whole business of like food sacrifice to idols and can you eat with a Gentile and, and so forth. Well, what would Jesus have done? Jesus would have eaten with anybody. You know, prostitute, Pharisee, who cares? You know, leper, I'll clean them first, but I'll eat with them. You know, that was, that was Jesus. But this is a warning especially to leaders. Your opinion can easily become somebody else's doctrine out of love or loyalty. You have to be careful about what you say to people. Do not insist when the Bible does not insist. Um, I'm preaching a sermon tomorrow in a different city on the condemnation of Aaron, Moses' brother. And the text in Numbers 20 begins with the death of Miriam. Well, I realized I I was about to say something in the sermon. and I realized maybe I shouldn't be able to say that. Because I was going to say that Miriam was the one who watched baby Moses in the Nile when, when, when mom put him into the reeds. Is that true? Well, in Exodus chapter 1, that's, Mos- that's Moses' sister who does that. Now Miriam is Moses' sister, but are they the same person? Could Moses have had more than one sister? Yeah. Yeah. So I actually, maybe I should be careful about how I say that because, wow, if a pastor says it in the pulpit to many people, that becomes instant doctrine. So you have to be careful about that kind of stuff. And some people say, oh, you know, pastors are always so careful about what they say. Well, I should be careful about what I say because my opinion can too easily become somebody else's doctrine. We had the question come up in catechism this morning about... Where did Jesus' human nature come from? Did it come from Mary's egg? Well, does the Bible mention Mary's egg? Did Luke, the physician who understood where babies come from and who wrote the gospel where the story of Jesus' conception is written, Luke, um, did Luke bother to say anything at all about that? No, he doesn't. So where did the human nature of Mary of, of, of Adam and Eve come from? The human nature was created by God, but a human nature. Where does the human nature of Jesus come from? It comes from the birth of Jesus from Mary's womb. But I'm not going to go so far as to say that it was Mary's egg, because the Bible doesn't say that. I think I probably assumed that my whole life, but the Bible doesn't say that, so should I say that? So be careful with what you say. I'm not saying that it wasn't, but I want to be careful about that. It's like the apple in the garden versus fruit, or the Uh, big fish versus the whale, right? Right. Right, yeah. But that's my theory. Yeah. The whale is a hot topic with me because there's nothing that says that it wasn't a whale. Right. But does it say big fish? Doesn't matter. Okay. In the taxonomy of animal kinds in the Bible, There are only five kinds of animals in Moses. Swimmer, flyer, ranch animal, creepy crawly, and wild creature. So among flyers are included things like the bat. Well, bat's not a bird to us, but they would have called the bat a bird. So among swimmers is everything in the ocean, and I have to ask myself how many ocean-going creatures could swallow a guy and then vomit him out again without him being cut to ribbons by his teeth. I've got two possible sharks and about fifty different species of whale. I have no problem with it being a whale. You know, But I was taught as a child by a pastor who maybe hadn't put that together in his mind, that it could not be a whale because the text says dog got all, big fish. But what is a dog? A dog is a swimmer to Moses and to the authors of the Old Testament, not necessarily a bluegill, you know, a thing with, th- with fins and scales. That's a New Testament distinction, not an Old Testament distinction. That's why when I preach sermons, I talk about the taxonomy of five creatures fairly often. Whenever, Mo- whenever it comes up in Moses, I talk about, Flyer, swimmer, uh, domestic animal, wild animal, creepy crawly—those, that's it. That's that's you know that's that's what that's what God made on the days of creation. Period. Specifically on days five and six. You know. Let's stop there at verse thirteen. See you next time. God bless you. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from Saint Paul's Lutheran Church, Newall, Minnesota.